Hello, check one, check two, check three, check four. All right, here's some more. Episode 19, this is a dream. We're hanging at the cannabis coffee scene. I'm doing a podcast. It's gonna be maybe an hour. Maybe it'll be 45 minutes for you to devour. But don't get on me if it's a little bit short or long. I don't know. I'm just trying to sing along, smoke a bong. Um, I'm coming with the exactness. So much whackness. I'm not perfect, but I lord finesse. Destroy every MC contest. I jest. I press. I believe. Like Brody Steves. R.I.P. Ask Jeeves. SF Google Street. 2003. Looking for an open mic. With my friend Mike Spiegelman. Check him out. He's a local comic in SF. He hooked me up with some spots back in the day. Oh yeah, this is how we're going to do it, the Cannabis Coffee way. Um, Hello everybody, welcome to the Cannabis Coffee Hour. I'm just goofing off, freestyling, starting to flow, starting to let you know that we're doing a podcast. Today, uh, I have so much to talk about. I love doing this podcast. It's a little bit like therapy to me. It's a little bit... It it helps me get my mind. It's kind of like a a journal, but also, you know, we're going to talk about cannabis and also tea today and traveling and getting older and zenning it out. Today, I did uh, 15 minutes of meditation. It's been hard. It's been a hard, hard week. I gave a shout out to the great, great super legend, one of the best to ever do stand-up comedy, and a good friend, and I love him with all, all my heart and soul, Brody Stevens. Um, it's, uh, it's tragic. If you don't know who Brody Stevens is, he's a comedian um, who is living in Los Angeles, and he was originally from the Valley, and I believe lived in Sacramento and Seattle in his childhood. But, uh, and he did some time in New York as a comic, but he was a LA comic that was amazing, was always, I mean, he was the full thing. He was, he was doing it right in all of my mind. In terms of stand-up comedy, um, he would do warm-up, he would do, you know, mainstream rooms, and he would also do the alternative rooms, meaning like more the artsy, like Largo. There's a couple spots in LA that was famous for like when Patton Oswalt and, and Zach Galifianakis, kind of that first wave of alternative comedy came out. Brody was in that, but he also, he, he kind of was a little bit of, he was everybody. He knew so much about stand-up comedy, but he was battling with depression and manic episodes for a very long time and he recently got off his um, medication and he ended up committing suicide and it's so sad and I've heard this before 
And mental health is something that's so, so relevant and so needed to be talked about in a real way. But I don't want to get too deep on it. Um, I'll just say, you know, much respect to Brody and your, your love and life. Thank you for all the good times. He bought me a papaya dog. I remember the, the last time we hung, I tried to stop by a show at Union Hall just two months ago. And I'll tell you the truth, they try to charge me 15 bucks at the door. And as a comic, you don't want to, I mean, I've seen so much comedy that I didn't pay. I didn't want to get, I just didn't want to go pay the money. I was just stopping by. I just wanted to pop in and say hello at a comedy club. Most people in the scene know who you are or they know if you do stand-up comedy and you could talk to the door person. But this was just like a rock club. It was just a cold, hard door deal. But I just stopped by anyway and then I decided to keep it moving when I couldn't, <laughs> just being a cheap ass. But, you know, I was doing other spots that night. I was doing my own shows. I was just trying to stop by. So I just stopped by, I saw him through the window and then I realized, you know, he was kind of a, and he had a great crowd and the place was packed. Uh, Brody was, you know, doing things at a very high level, you know. He was a comedy store regular that's not easy in L.A. Uh, to get to that spot. And he'd been doing it a few years before me. I remember seeing him the first time on a show called Late Friday. And it was on NBC. And it was like this stand-up comedy show. But that was like the first credit in the early 90s. Or not the early 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. I would say when comedy was not as popular, Netflix, before the internet, before Twitter, before all this. But there was cool comics if you followed stand-up comedy. Brody was one of those that you just always cued in on. And, you know, he had a lot of one-liners, but it was more of the play in between the jokes. But he was definitely in the moment, and he got it on so many different levels. Like, I loved his drumming. He would just go on stage with drumsticks and drum and talk and drum on the pad, in beat, in sync. I mean, go Google, go watch it. It's amazing. Because he understood that comedy is timing. And so is drumming. And if you want a good song, uh, you got to drum. Uh, you have to have good drums. That's what I heard. If you want, I, 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 not to veer off, but I did have just a little, I, I'm not going to smoke that much weed on this episode. What I have today is just a small amount of cannabis. I still have a little bit of sour diesel that I've grinded up to a fine powder. I have my classic, I cleaned it out, the old cigarette one hitter. So I just hit that before I started the episode, or while I stepped at the episode. But then I also have this old, I have a pin. Um, it's a half cartridge from that one episode, but it's a all pure CBD. So this has no THC in it. And that supposedly uh, levels you out. This is sour diesel. So I have a little bit of sour diesel in a one hitter, like a, such a minute, just a tiny amount. And then I have my CBD pin. Because I have a little bit of a cold. I went out late last night, and Brody Stevens' death really hit me, man. Because he's close to my age. He's 47. I was, you know, I'm old. I'm 46, man. It's crazy. But I've been doing comedy since 99. 
non-stop. I haven't stopped. I've been going to clubs, colleges, rock rooms, coffee shops, at least a few times a week for about 20 years now. I deserve this CBD <laughs> in this herb, in that sip. I got some mint tea. I got this refreshing mint tea. I'm double bagging. I already had some coffee. I had that lava, that Italian lava zava. I, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Some dude told me how to pronounce it. And, and, it, and uh, I'm not hitting it right, but I'll get it. I'll work on it. But I got so many things on my mind. And Brody just, like, his death hit me like a fucking ton of bricks, man. And it, it hit me first, but after Kevin Barnett, who's another comedy person that just in the comedy community, I hate talking about the comedy community, and I didn't want to have a podcast about fucking comedy. I wanted to have a podcast about smoking weed, or maybe some comedy, doing some comedy. Uh, but it is interesting as hell, and it's relevant as hell. But uh, Kevin Barnett, rest in peace, was a young comic that just passed away. And then this, then Brody's in middle age, you know, he's 47. Uh, still, you know, if you're, and he was in really good health. Like, he always worked out. He was a, he almost was a major league baseball pitcher. I mean, he pitched in, like, Division One college. He was a baseball pitcher. He had a scholarship. Pretty amazing. I mean, that's high-level shit, uh, athletics. Um, so he understood pressure and he understand discipline, but yeah, you could, you could do research. I don't want to talk about like his backstory too much. I mean, I'd rather, man, he was just fucking silly and funny and just always in the moment. And I always felt better around Brody. I don't know. I, for some reason, like anytime I was around him, I felt good, um, because he was just one of those guys in the trenches of stand-up comedy that was doing it for all the right reasons and was working it out and working through his own passion um, and all the adversity there is within, you know, show business is such a tricky Pandora's box of, you know, you think you made it and then you don't make it. It's ego, you need ego to push through, but then you don't need ego, <laughs> you know, it is uh, tricky. That's why, you know, I talk about zenning it out so much. I've been doing this 20 years, so my mind, I'm trying to keep it healthy and I'm trying to look at life and just be thankful. That's the number one thing I'm doing now is just being thankful for every damn moment. I'll tell you a story, and it's a cannabis story, but it's not a good one, man. Uh, the fear got me. You know how I talked about the fear. The fear hit me hard, man. So I did this gig, awesome gig with Tracy Morgan, man. We went down to, I mean, I've had, I'm, I'm very thankful. I've got a really, you know, fun, exciting life. Very rich with so many colors and, and schemes. Uh, I want to make more money. I want to support my family more. I want to take care of some people. Um, so I'm still, you know, I'm still grinding. But there's some really great projects on in this. Tracy Morgan Touring has been helping out and freeing up time so I can work on this podcast as well as uh, do some writing projects and the PMA projects. I just got a text from Mookie when I started this podcast. I got to hit him back. Yo, Mookie, what's up? Mookie, I do uh, uh, a, 
a short film series with him called PMA, Positive Mental Attitude, which is uh, from the Bad Brain song, a punk rock song. But it's pretty much me being, I'm a positive dude at the end of the day. And I think a lot of that positivity comes from understanding adversity in, I don't know, going, going down a dark black hole never worked for me in terms of pre productivity, in terms of getting shit done. Like I have to look towards the sun. The sun is out right now, which is nice, but it's freezing out there. It was 30 degrees this morning in New York. Um, but I, you know, I am enjoying this mint tea. Oh, Mookie. Yeah, Mookie just texted me. So it's, uh, it's freeing me up. Uh, things are happening with touring with Tracy Morgan. We did two shows at this theater in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania on Saturday. It was myself, Mark Theobald, and uh, Pat Brown, and Roberto Vanderpool, and Derek Gaines. Derek Gaines is on the show, The Last OG. And the second season premieres on Netflix. Check it out April 4th. But Derek Gaines plays at the halfway house. He's a good guy, dude. Check out his comedy. Derek Gaines is uh, African-American from Philly, cool. Uh, 10 years younger than I am. He's like, he's, he's kind of in millennial zone. Like that dude was on his Instagram the whole fucking time hanging with him. But he's still funny, cool, nice. And he opened the show. I think Tracy just asked him since the television show is warming up. Uh, you, you know, wants to do some project, you know, do shows with him and talk about Last OG and the television show. So those shows that we did two stand-up shows back to back in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And Bethlehem, Pennsylvania was Bethlehem Steel. Um, Bethlehem Steel was like the biggest steel company in the world. Like they had, they were telling us, like the stats was they had over like 150,000 employees per shift. You know, <laughs> that's like, I lived in a town of 5,000. That's like, you know, a big city at, in a full factory and that and you go to the, it's this casino and they have they have a big venue there and they have a big music festival but the old still steel mill that's no longer there that had that many jobs that much industry is just this weird backdrop and it's like this museum and they've made like paths and shit around it but it is Pennsylvania is quietly beautiful once you get out in the sticks it's a lot like Virginia, but it starts to go more, it's less, the mountain's kind of flat. And by the time you get to Ohio, it's just all flat. Virginia's got Blue Ridge Mountains. And that goes through the middle, and then it also has a beach, um, which is nice. Um, shout out to Virginia Beach. Uh, that, but uh, let's see, what was I talking about? Pennsylvania. Yes, yeah, Steel Stacks. We did these two gigs down there um, on Saturday night. So it was 8 o'clock show and a 10 o'clock show in front of 400 to, I think it was four, it was like 500 people a piece. And it was kind of somewhere between a, a comedy club and a theater, but it's like this industrial thing. And the museum is behind you. Like they, it's all glass, the backdrop behind you. So 
not the museum, the factory, the steel factory where 132,000 people would go per shift. And they would have like, I guess, five shifts a day or three shifts a day. And it went 24 hours making steel. And it made all the steel for the San Francisco Bridge, all the Brooklyn Bridge, all the major bridges in the United States. And it did all this work during World War II and made like all these different bombs. It made all, anything steel came from there. And it's no longer now, you know, there was, I was playing there and this thing was in the backdrop and I was doing stand-up comedy with Tracy Morgan and the shows were sold out. Awesome. Uh, I got to work on some new material, hung with Derek Gaines, hung with uh, my crew that I go on the road with. Uh, it was great. Uh, we traveled down, but Tracy doesn't like to stay like overnight if it's just one night so we go do the gigs and then we jump back in he has a sprinter van like a mercedes van and i don't smoke it, any weed on these gigs because he doesn't smoke he, he has a lot of shit going on he's like a high level movie dude he's a guy like jordan peele you know he's having conversations with him about movie shit so i just try to stay low-key do my work try to kill as hard as i can get off stage hang tight uh and get home safe, and uh, we did, but we got home at 5 a.m., so I got home at 5 a.m., and I haven't done that in a while, so I got up at 5 a.m., and then my, and then had to get up the next morning and deal with uh, my fam and just shit going on in my life, so it just threw me off, and then the Brody thing threw me off, I was off my sleep, so I was off my sleep like meter, and then I was off, the next night I had shows. I did a show at the West Side Comedy Club like on Friday, so I came in at five, and then I had another show the next morning at seven, and then juggling all this, and then the Brody heaviness was hitting me um, and throwing me off. You know, I knew him and I loved him, and that's just not a way to go, man. That is not. But, you know, I don't want to judge and life just fucking moves and makes moves that's way beyond your control. And all you can do is love each other and appreciate the moment. Work hard towards your dreams, man. It chill and max and relax. You know, I just want to slow it down a little bit and get back to nature. But things are happening. I like working. <laughs> I like staying productive. And I like doing this podcast. I really appreciate everybody listening right now. Um, uh, it, I love you. Hang in there. So the fear got me. So I was off my rocker, man. The fear got me. Um, I was zenning it out hard, but I was like not getting real sleep, like maybe like three hours here, four hours here. And I've been having like this back trouble. And then. I got some other shit going on uh, with my mom and she's getting old and then we may have, you know, she's maybe making a move and it's just, it's, so I'm juggling a lot of just adult shit. Adult life is just fucking hardcore. That's why I've hit this CBD green tea right now. Um... So I was off, but I've been working out, 
and my back was hurting and I remember I tried to meditate and I only made it to like 12 minutes and then my mind kind of fritzed out and I was just like, ah, fuck this, you know, just sometimes that happens. Meditation, I did 15 minutes today. You have to work on it. You have to keep doing it. it like, it's a lot like working out. Like some days you just don't want to do it or you're just kind of half-assing it and some days you're just on point. Well, I was ready for on point workout session. I had my good underwear on that I like to work on. Everybody's got their workout underwear. I had my uh, I had my Spotify playlist just ready, and then I had that glass bowl, and I had some herb. And my plan was to hit the herb outside right before I went into the gym. So I I went to the gym, and I hit the herb. Like I had like the greatest part of the bud. Like I picked out the greatest part, and I had it in this. It was the glass steamroller, which packs a really big bowl for being like a one hitter. Like it's still. It looks like a serious bowl. So I had that and I had just the best part of the bud there. And I, I, hit, I hit the herb and it was really cold outside, really cold. So I just hit it and then um, I went right into the gym and then I got on the elliptical and I was rocking some CNN. I was killing the CNN. My TV was working, right? I was on the elliptical. I had my fucking Spotify playlist just fucking killing it, you know? I got some P-Funk, I got a lot of funk, I got a lot of James Brown, and then I also, I like this band, The Bronx, I got some fucking, I got some metal, I got some uh, clutch, I got some uh, old school hip-hop, you know, I gotta play some Eric B. and Rakim when I'm working out. Um, but, so I'm just fucking killing it on Spotify, I'm watching the um, CNN Trump's about to go down or his lawyers talking all mad shit and everybody's fucking at arms. I'm fucking digging that. And I'm doing like 12 minutes on the elliptical and I'm fucking pushing it. And then all of a sudden it's like, slow your heart rate down. Slow your heart rate down. And I was, you know how you have your hands on those elliptical things? They show your heart rate. And I was like, oh fuck, man, am I having a heart attack right now? And the fear got me, you know, I thought about Brody, I thought about Kevin, and I thought I was having a heart attack for, I was like, oh shit, like I thought it said 160, but I think it was like 140, 130 for your heart rate, and usually when I walk work out, it's usually like 120, 130, but then it went up to like 140, I think it was dancing, you know, at 150, and 160, you know, getting up there. And because I was just going at it like 12 minutes and I just hit that herb and I drank that coffee. That's why a little bit I'm on the green tea because I've been drinking the Lava Zava, but I got the, a bag of ground coffee, right? And it's like really fine and it's not perfect for the French press. When you get your coffee beans ground for a French press, it's called a rough cut. This thing I just bought at the store late night after a set, but I like the brand and it's a uh, Italian coffee and it is a medium roast, but this brand is definitely a very caffeinated, strong, you don't fuck around coffee, but this is their medium joint, but I had it in ground version. So I would put like 10 to 15, I would put a lot of ground coffee into my French press and then I would press it down and it would get so caffeinated, so strong, because it was just like, it's just that silt, and that pretty much, it didn't get filtered out. You're drinking like this 
really potent fucking uh, super panic attack coffee. And that's what happened. Like I had the coffee, I had the fresh bowl, and then I jumped on the elliptical and it was cold out. And I was watching CNN and Trump and I was pumping some, uh, some metal. And all of a sudden I was like, oh shit. My heart rate's like almost 160, and I had a full, and I didn't know the math. I don't know heart rates, but I went home, actually got off, and, and I was just like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. It got to me, and I finally walked out, but I, I asked the front desk lady if they had a heart monitor, and my gym's not like that big, and it's not, not like an expensive gym. It's, you know, it's kind of on the basic, you know, $15 a month type gym type situation, uh, and the lady was like, what? And I was just like, oh, I kept it moving, went home, and I Googled heart rates, and 160 isn't that bad. You're supposed to go 220 minus your age, so I'm 46, so uh, 180 you need to worry about. So I had nothing to worry about. Uh, so then I just took a nap, and I took a nap, and that made me feel better, and then the next night, I had a show, but I got home early, and then the next night I slept in. Like, I went to bed at, like, 8, and I got, or, like, you know, not 8. I, got, I went to bed, like, at 10, because I'm doing stuff. I'm, I'm writing stuff. I got to do taxes. I'm doing my taxes. I'm dealing with family. Um, I'm making beats. I'm doing the podcast. I'm monitoring the website. You know, you just hustle, man. It's a part of the gig. Um... So yeah, so it was like within a half hour, I went from, oh my God, I'm killing it. Oh my God, I might be dying. Oh my God, I'm not dying. I love life and I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> that's, that's how that process went, man. Um, it was just full, full cycle. But the shows, if you were at the... If you're listening to this and you were at the Tracy Morgan show, <clears throat> thanks for listening. And uh, I love doing working with him. That is a great gig because the shows are always sold out and the vibe is always fun. And backstage, he is Tracy. He, he's everything you think. He's he's playing hip hop. He's talking shit. Uh, he's having fun, man. It's a hundred percent fun. And one of the things I learned from him: if you're not having fun, it's not going to be funny. The thing about comedy is you got to be having fun. Or you just, it's just not going to be, it's not going to be funny. Uh, but I'm having, I'm having fun with this uh, podcast. Let me hit one more little one hitter. But I should drink a little green tea. I'm going to slow it down. Um, my next gig, I think if we're going to Albany, New York, I'm going to be with Tracy at a Funny Bones comedy club. He brought it up. So I think it's going to happen and that's in a couple weeks but i got my own shows in new york if you're in new york always check that out and then i am looking to book stuff in uh, michigan in july in the summer in california i know i keep on saying that in this podcast but stuff is coming up and um i've had agents in the past but right now i work without an agent man Everything I do is completely DIY. Oh, that brings me. Now, with all this fucking, uh, now with all this Brody death, me wigging out thing, 
another thing simultaneously happened. I got to work on Eric. I know Eric Andre really well. Like I, I remember. Like I don't know him really well now because he's so big and famous and he's doing his TV show. But I knew him before his TV show. I don't know if you guys know Eric Andre from the Adult Swim, but uh, I was supposed to work on his very first pilot, or he asked me to stop by, and I just didn't do it, or something else came up. But my other friend Dan um, Curry is his head writer, and both I got the uh, call to do a, a writing room session for a new comedy show and this was a year ago and I it was the first time I got to be in a full-on television writing room like I they paid me good money to go in and just tell them ideas you know they just want you to pitch different angles to what they have so I I got the call and Aparna was there Aparna Najera who's a great I hope I'm pronouncing that right I'm such a fucking old redneck um and she's one of my good friends, but she was uh, uh, writing on it uh, in the punch-up meeting, and so was I'll go back to that. But it was the it was a great gig. It was uh, it was such oh Nancherla yeah Nancherla uh, pardon Nancherla. I always kind of say it real fast. People fuck up my name all the time. I never get mad if somebody fucks up my name. But if you have some, but Aparna's a sweet, nice, cool, awesome, maybe maybe one of the best. I mean, the girls are killing it. in terms of like joke writing, man. Uh, Aparna and uh, Michelle Wolf, you can't fuck with, man. Those got those girls can write some goddamn jokes, man. And they're all, they fucking hit it. Um, and they're both really great stand-ups and have unique, cool styles. Uh, appreciate them. But she was there. And like They assembled like a bunch of different vibes in this writing room. And it's called Craft Punk uh, Political Party. And they're shooting in D.C. So my buddy Dan Curry, who's the head writer of the Eric Andre show, knew I was from D.C., and wanted me to come in and pitch them uh, ideas or sketches for the TV show. And they already had a script. They already had pretty much... They, they're so funny and smart. They don't really need me. But the, it's nice when you do something for a while. It's nice to bring in new blood and just kick around new ideas. It's all about ideas, man. That's, that's the gig. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so I got brought in, and this was a year ago, and we shot this thing, and it's uh, called Craft Punk Political Party. It's coming out on Adult Swim on March 8th, um, and the director was the dude from uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's last uh, Showtime show, which was brilliant, um, but the director is amazing, and then, and he also does a bunch of stuff with Tim and Eric, and he was a young cat, sharp, funny. Um, and, uh, so the, the director worked with him and then it was Eric Andre's project and then it was Eric Andre's, uh, head writer, but it's called Craft Punk and Craft Punk is like kind of, uh, a dude that kind of, he's a EDM DJ made of Kraft cheese 
and he goes to uh, America. Yeah, my friend uh, directed this thing, but he also directed Who is America, or did a few episodes of directing on uh, Who's America that also directed this project. And I know a couple of the editors were the same editors that did that Who is America. I don't know if you saw, I mean, that was some next level shit, Sasha Baron Cohen's Who is America. That's, uh, some of those episodes was like some, the rap battle in that shit. Check out the rap battle in Who is America is one of my favorite rap battles of all fucking time, yo. Uh, that thing is dope. But, uh, yeah, so I got to write on this thing, and it's coming out, and it's coming out strong. Like, uh, they're go it's rolling out, and it's rolling out fast, and I think it's going to come off really, really funny because they shot it in D.C., and I don't want to ruin it because I pitched a couple big ideas that they took and actually shot. So, And I haven't seen it yet, but I know the guys are all involved are funny as shit, and when we started filming and I was, Dan Curry made me laugh so hard. Like their shit, it was the first time, their shit is so out there and they truly are on some next level shit uh, when it comes to comedy and their point of view. Um, Cause it was the first time I've ever been in the situation where when I pitched something, Dan was like, that is awesome. We love that. Now give me more weird. Give me more of that, but weirder. Give me weirder. Give me weirder. And I was like, oh shit. Usually I tone down my weird ideas <laughs> to try to uh, get into the mainstream or, you know, you know, money gigs, you know, it's hardcore. When money starts to get involved, man, you can't be fucking around um, too much. So uh, but yeah, I hit him with even weirder ideas and hit him, you know, I just, I had a blast, man. It was a blast in the writer's room and it was a blast working on set with Dan and, uh, now Eric Andre wasn't on set, but he filmed a bunch of shit in LA with Dan and then they came to DC and I was on the DC shoot and then I was in the New York writer's meeting shoot. So they did a lot of stuff with Eric, but I hung out with Eric maybe a year ago and then I opened for him at Caroline's. And that was so much fun, man. Dan Curry and Eric Andre. Dan is opening for Eric Andre out on the road. Go see those guys. Go see their stand-up. Eric, Eric is a really fucking out there, great stand-up. Just naturally a funny dude. And then his approach to stand-up is... But he respects it. And he is a stand-up, man. He did the fucking... He did the trenches. I was there. Um, he knows his shit. So when... You know, he go to go to that show, Dan Curry and Eric Andre stand-up show. You will not be disappointed. Uh, I give it the full stamp. But uh, so I got the shot. This I got to shoot in D.C. and I went down there. And my mom lives in D.C. My sister lives in D.C. So I got down there and I got to help them out and be with them for like a week and then then the crew came and we shot this thing in dc man and i just laughed the whole time i don't want to ruin it but it's all like shot there's a lot of scenes shot in dc like around major major shit and they had a major crew but it was still like a couple vans a couple permits a lot of like well thought out executed shots that i think I don't know how well, I mean, it was a lot of run and gun because they only had a few days. And the weather, it was raining, it was off and on raining. So um, 
filmmaking's wild, man. If you ever, I want to make more films, but it's like going to war against time. I got that from Neil Brennan. Uh, Neil Brennan was a co-creator and director of The Chappelle Show, and his directing style, he does stand-up, and he's great stand-up, but his directing style, he's just a great director, and he knows, he knows how to make shit really good, and he's just been, he's been in the trenches with that type of shit for a long time, so whenever I listen to, like, a podcast about him talking about sketch comedy or filmmaking, because I think The Chappelle Show was maybe number one or two, SNL's up there, like, top SNL sketches, they just had so much shit, like, if you took the top 10 SNL sketches, you're not gonna, maybe Chappelle, top 10 Chappelle against, that was the thing about the Chappelle show, they were just hitting the sweet part of the bat, the thing about sketch comedy, that's why I never judge SNL that hard, is like, sketch comedy's hard, and you don't really know what you're getting into, it's a lot like doing a joke for the first time, Whereas, like, you know it's kind of funny, but you got to just say it out loud. And that's what you're doing with sketches. You're putting this play on out loud, but you're doing it in a really fast and short, concise form. So if it doesn't hit, it just fucking goes wrong. And a lot of times it doesn't go right, man. I would say sketch comedy, like, even with good sketch comedy, it's 50-50 whether it's going to be funny. And the Chappelle show was batting, like... 80, 90%. They were just fucking step. Every sketch you saw on the Chappelle show was just fucking bang. It was just fucking, it hit the sweet end of the bat. It was right in the middle and they jacked it for the fences. I really think that was a lot of the pressure too, was like topping that. I mean, that was just high level comedy at its best. Uh, But this Eric Andre project for Adult Swim, um, it's coming out March 8th. It's called Craft. It's called KRFT Punk's Political Party. It has nothing to do with Daft Punk. Uh, It's on Adult Swim, and it's on March 8th at midnight. Uh, Hashtag Craft Punk. Check out Dan Curry 9000 on Instagram. Um, That's the director of the show and writer of the show. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to turn out. All I know is when I was hanging... And seeing these shots of what was going down, I was in tears, laughing, like, no fake, no, just, just like, oh my God, this is the, it's just so silly. I think it's what America and the world needs right now. Because I don't think it leans any which way or the other. It is just fucking hardcore goofball. So check that shit out. Um, I'm lucky to be any a part of it. So that's... That was the silver lining of a lot of, a, of a ups and down, downs I've had this week was, uh, was the announcement, the actual announcement from Adult Swim that there, because there was a time I wasn't sure they were going to put it out because we filmed it like eight months ago. I did the writer's meeting a year ago and then out of the blue, it was like, bam, it's coming out in two weeks. And I was like, oh shit, you know, something... Something from uh, you worked on a little later ago comes back, comes back around. Um, I like what that happens. Um, so I'm having a little bit of one hitter. The fear's not getting to me. If it does, I'll just sing, I'll wrap it out. <laughs> And I'll have a little bit more CBD.
And I'll have a little bit more mint tea. So, yeah, I've been meditating. And I did make a uh, vegetarian meal. But what I've been doing, I've been getting back into ramen noodles. But I went to a ramen noodle place. But I was, I was, not, I was like, I could do this shit. Because when I uh, backpacked around Southeast Asia, I did this in 98, a year before the movie The Beach came out. I did about five months in South Asia. I think I told you guys about that. But I did a month in Bali where I uh, learned to surf and I uh, ate, um, I ate like ramen noodles on the beach. Like you can rent a surfboard and then the dude, like you'd be surfing out there all day and you would get hungry, you know, surfing, you're constantly swimming and you're getting beat up by the sun. So it, I, surfing's the best exercise. I think swimming's the best exercise you can do. But if surfing, I don't know, it's... It, it, you have to build a lifestyle around surfing. It's a lot like golf or skiing. It's one of those that takes a lot of equipment and destination. But uh, that was the best shape I ever was when I surfed down there for a month. But I, what I learned was how to make ramen noodles. They would make them on the beach in this pot of water for you. It was just like a dollar. It was like super cheap, but they would boil, fry an egg and put an egg on top of the ramen noodle and chop up some onions. So I've been doing that. I've been getting this good ramen, like not just the basic ramen. I was I'm getting like Thai ramen. Like there's one that was organic made out of uh, seaweed, I believe. It was like seaweed noodles. But it, it had all the Thai stuff. I've been hitting that with turmeric. But i also been frying an egg. So I put the fried egg in there and I salt and pepper the egg like really hardcore. And then I do the ramen and then you put the fried egg in there. And then I love scallions. So I take, I get, and they're cheap, man. You, for 75 cents, you get a bundle of scallions. And I, they're so easy to chop, and they just make, they take everything up a notch. So I chop the one full scallion up all the way, and put that in there. I always liked French, French, uh, French onion soup. So you, know, you kind of got this egg onion super broth noodle thing. Uh, and I got some teeth worked on, so I'm not into like chomping, chomping. So that's some good shit. I've been eating that. But I have also been eating some uh, vegetarian meals for like dinner. Because uh, my wife likes to eat uh, meat. She eats chicken and steak, and so do I, but I don't want to do it fucking all day. But she's like tiny. She, I think she needs the protein. Me, I'm kind of a big lug and I've been eating too much meat like my whole life. So I'm just trying to scale it back. No political moral moves. No labels. No vegetarian. Just like, you know, same thing with sleep, man. I just want to sleep more. I want to take more fucking naps, man. Think about America. We work God, so gosh darn hard. You know, it's not all about that. But in New York, you learn you got to make some fucking money. Because if you ain't figuring it out, it isn't, you know, this town will run you out. I got run out of this town twice before I finally, I've been here for a while. I was been walking, I was walking through Williamsburg the other day going to this spot. Hold on, I got to take a piss. I've been drinking all this tea and CBD. So I'll get right back to you. Piss break, peace. Check one, I'm back. Um, thank you for allowing me to do that. I also got some seltzer water and uh, I put on a fleece jacket. Uh, it's starting getting chilly, uh, but the sun is out. It's so crazy cold here right now, dude. It's like 30 degrees out. 
and there was like a slight frost on the uh, on the concrete on the sidewalk, and I slipped. I didn't fall, but I slipped. And man, if you fell on this shit, it's hard as hell, man. People could fuck themselves up. There was no salt on the sidewalk. You need that fucking crack salt, man. You need that fucking thick as right off the rock salt uh, on the ground in this weather because because I didn't even see it. It just looked normal. And I was, that was the scary thing. It just looked normal and I just fucking slipped, but I caught myself, I didn't go down. And then I was more like, yo, I'm gonna be sure footed. I'm not gonna walk with my music on. In New York, you learn to walk. All I do is walk, man. I, like I was saying, I've been in New York since, I've moved here in 2005, but I first tried to come to New York. Okay, I was in San Francisco, July of 99, and then I started comedy right away. I went to my first open mic at the luggage store, and I signed up, and then my next one was at the Brainwash Cafe, July 99, and I just fell in love with it. The minute I did it, it was just like a direct beam that this is uh, something that I love to do. And I knew how hard it was going to be. That was the only thing that I shied away from stand-up. Because I respected, I also knew it was going to be hard as hell. And I just did not want to face it. But I always wanted to do it. It took a long time uh, to figure that out. You know, there was no, I guess before high school, I cut out some open mics. And I was going to go in Virginia. And I had a little routine ready. But then high school and high school parties and I started drinking and going out and, uh, you know, I just wasn't, yeah, I wasn't focused on uh, comedy. It just took me graduating from college, barely, and then getting a job as a sales dude working for this company, Aerotech. And uh, this was totally right out of office space, man. It was like this weird fucking headhunting placement. It's not weird. It's a legitimate business. They're, you know, they gave me a job. They were good people. It, and it was all cool salesmen from D.C., Virginia, Maryland. Uh, so I had, a, you know, it was just a sales. It was just a hardcore sales gig. And I did that for three and a half years. And that's when I quit. I moved back in with my mom for a year. Like I had, I had moved out. I had an apartment in D.C. And I just wasn't loving life though man I, I knew that comedy something was calling um so I moved in with my mom saved up 10 grand and that's when I just sold everything and ended up in California and that's when I did six months in Southeast Asia I actually spent a month in Colorado crashing on a couch in Aspen shout out to Jake Frank uh and my friend yeah, my one friend had a free ski pass. So I had a ski pass for a month. I got to snowboard Aspen sleeping on my friend Tom Murray's couch, who was nice enough to do that. Um, I don't know if it was a full month. It was like 28 days, and I think I slept a couple days. No, I think he put me up <laughs> for a while. Uh, and I saw him in Denver. I have to give him a shout-out, man. Good dude. Uh, because that was an unbelievable time and an unbelievable experience. But that was so long ago. That was like 98. Um, 
I'm going snowboarding this weekend in New Jersey. That should be fun. I'm doing a Sunday up there with the fam. Uh, so I'm kind of, I'm looking forward to that, but it's going to be cold as hell. But there'll be snow up there, but it's going to be cold as hell. It's not Colorado is a whole other beautiful, beautiful state. I can't wait to get out there. But yeah, I've been in New York. Oh yeah, so I was in San Francisco. But the first time I tried to go to New York, uh, yeah, I lived in North Beach for like six months. And then I lived out by the Richmond District. And I did that for like eight months. And then I took a trip to Vegas. I stayed in Vegas for like two weeks with my friend. And I saw fish play there. Uh, but I had a construction job in Buffalo. My friend started a small construction company. He was actually recycling wood out of old houses, Jake. And uh, he got, he paid me like two grand to work in Buffalo during the winter for like two months. So I did, I took that and then I tried to come to New York and I lasted a month and a half. Like I, I stayed here from, I went through my money so fast. And then I couldn't get on stage. I was only doing like the worst of the worst shows. It's hard to get money doing stand-up. It was such a hardcore. But I got to do Surf Reality and Collective Unconscious in the Lower East Side, like the original ones. Like I did comedy in these places and Brody Stevens would play there. I think that's where I first saw Brody. I think I, I mean, that was so long ago. This, that was year 2000. And I was a, maybe a year and a half in, and I did a month and a half in New York before I just tucked my tail and went back to D.C. and stayed with my mom for a month. And then I moved back to San Francisco, and I stayed at the Green Tortoise. That's, that's when I lived in the hostel after that whole episode. And that's when I really took stand-up. I went into, like, Bruce Lee ninja style, just living barely off the street and just lit, doing coffee shops in the Punchline Comedy Club. Back then, cops didn't like me, man. This dude, Tom Sawyer, wouldn't work me, man. He wouldn't give me spots. But the Punchline would. And I do cops now. Now the cops is owned by the Punchline. It's the same, it's all clear channel. It's all big corp, like a big corporation. But it's the same people that ran it before. But the guy that owned the old cops is no longer involved. He's probably booking something. But back then, he wouldn't give me spots. He thought I was too weird. Uh, so I did all the stuff in the mission. And that back then, that's when I used to eat Taqueria Cancun like every day. You can get a burrito there. If you don't know Taqueria Cancun or the mission burrito, if you have ever eaten at a Chipotle, they totally just bit that fucking style and jacked up the price. Like, you go to Chipotle, it, a burrito costs you 10 maybe $9.75, maybe $8.30, or maybe $7, like if you're in the bumfuck or whatever. But yo, in San Francisco, you go to Taqueria Cancun on the Mission District, on, on Mission Street, that's like the most mainstream, backwoods, uh, authentic Taqueria of San Francisco. But it's not like the hidden, it's not like the real, like I'm not a Bay Area native, so I don't wanna, it's like me talking about pizza and I'm bringing up, I don't know, I, I, I'm trying to think of the, 
what's that place in Brooklyn uh, Heights? What was that place? Like there's this place that has like the best pizza, but if you go deep, like New York, you can go deep, 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 deep with uh, pizza. And in San Francisco, you can go deep, 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 deep with burritos. And, um, but Taqueria Cancun would get a, you know, you can get a burrito there and it's only three seventy-five. A chicken burrito was like four bucks. I just remember with $5 and this was in 2001, uh, with $5, you could have a meal. You had a big-ass burrito. You had a big-ass chicken burrito, and then you would get a small, you know, drink. Or I always, That's when I got turned on to horchata, man. Horchata blew my mind. I love cinnamon milky shit. I don't know. Like, that's my shit. Like, uh, I make banana shakes every morning. Banana, peanut butter, and cinnamon, and honey. And I just blend that up. If I don't have that, I do yogurt and granola with milk. I like it, the milk. Uh, I guess I have a nervous stomach. I think it's all the coffee. So I like to coat it with stuff. But yeah, I tried to move to New York, but I've been in New York since, but I moved here in 2005. After I was in LA for a year and a half, I saw Brody a bunch in LA, man. I did a bunch of shows with him. Um, and I toured, between that time, I toured with Mitch Hedberg. I got to do a show with Galifianakis, a big theater show. Um, yeah, I was touring around, and then I finally landed in New York, and I lived in Williamsburg back in the day. Now where I live is an Apple store. <laughs> back then, it was just some fucking fucked up lofts, man. For 500 I would live in a room with seven other people. In a big-ass loft, man. Uh, this one place I lived for a while there, like, there were seven people, and uh, everybody was just loud, and you could hear everybody having... The people were in relationships. People were, like, 25, 26 years old, so there's, like, people fucking, and you would hear them, and then people would sing and cry, and people were going through shit. It's like living in the real world all the time. But you would hit... I would just get out. I, you know, a lot of back then was, a, was just a place to stash your stuff and I had enough energy I would just stay out doing comedy all the time and then I would go to coffee shops and write and eat and then I would work or you know just keep it moving um but yeah I've been in New York since 2005 and I walk everywhere like everywhere I walk uh or take the subway like and now Uber if it's like or Lyft um I gotta switch over to Lyft. I just got. I'm just so fucking off. I'm not great. I'm a fucking caveman with technology, and my phone's a little old. And I do so much. I'm making beats. I'm making this podcast. I'm shooting video on it. So uh, yeah, I just got Uber on there. Maybe I'll switch. I need to switch to Lyft. But Uber's always like I don't use it that much. So it, but it's solid because sometimes I'm in some. You know, back, I got to go do road gigs places. So it's mostly like to save you when there's not public transportation or a ride, like some of those in-between joints. Uh, and you kind of have to have like, you know, it ready to go or it could be trouble. Uh, so that's why I have it on there. But I'm, why am I explaining any shit to you? Uh, this is free. Uh, you should be glad I'm talking. No, I'm glad you're listening. You get what I'm saying. Uh, I'm just having a double bag of mint 
tea, refreshing mint tea. I have to say it's pretty good. I got this tea from a green room in Canada. I brought some fucking refreshing mint tea. Tetley tea. Tetley refreshing tea. Uh, the ingredients is 8.9% peppermint and 12% pe uh, spearmint. I don't, and then there's a bunch of shit in France. This thing is Canadian as hell. Um, shout out um, Jim Carrey and the Trailer Park Boys and the dudes from Kids in the Hall. And a lot of great comedy comes from Canada. Great comedy scene. But I haven't ever done Just for Laughs. I've done the New York Comedy Festival, and uh, Atlanta has a great one. I did Atlanta with Eric Andre one time. Uh, the Red Clay Festival is an awesome one. And I got to see Run the Jewels. I did this comedy festival, and then, like, it was so dope. Like, they had a bunch of venues around Atlanta, and then I hadn't been in Atlanta in a while, and it was popping. I don't know if you guys know, but Atlanta's, Atlanta's popping. <laughs> it's a fun place right now. Uh, and great food and great people and a killer vibe and people were down for comedy. I did like a bunch of different cool shows, like a midnight show and it was all packed. And then I did this like hipster dive bar I played during this comedy festival. But it was on the same block that they had like an outdoor music festival and it was downtown. And I got to see Run the Jewels downtown. Uh, in Atlanta, it was fucking sick. Those guys kill it, man. I do like, uh, I do like their music. Shout out to those guys. Um, but thanks for listening to this episode. I think I'm gonna wrap it up there. I love you. Uh, you know, respect the herb. Uh, respect yourself. Send it out. Be kind to each other. I, I don't know, man. Have some tea. Have some seltzer. I'm doing my thing. Take a pee. Uh, enjoy life.